0: So just keep on smiling. Amen. Let me have my wife to stand, please. And let me share this with my wife, Gail. And next month, May the 27th, will be our 50th anniversary. Amen. God's been so good to us. I praise the Lord for my wife. Uh, Usually down in the southern churches, they have just about got her paid for. Amen. And they look, and so she'll tell you what she has to say about me. But I'm joking when I say that. But it is a joy to be here. And I want to start out and just say to you tonight, number one, thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to stand tonight and just give a word of testimony and preach. But I also want to ask you, well, excuse me, I also want to say thank you for your support, what you do for us. You enable us to go. You enable us to enjoy the ministry that God has given us. And without you, without your prayers, without your support, we could not go and we're grateful to you. We want you to know that. And so thank you so very much for what you do for us. It's not just a little bit, it's a lot. And we're grateful to you for that. This week we've got, and the reason why we're here this week is because of Brother Colder, Brother Colder stand for just a second. This is Brother Coulter Patterson. Brother Coulter's a Tennessee Ridge runner, if I could say it to you like that. That's how they used to say it down in the southern states. Well, I didn't say that. But anyway, Brother uh, Colder He come in May of last year. We had the opportunity of going before the uh, head chaplain of the state of Alaska. And he accepted him. Uh, He's been training at the Spring Creek Correctional Facility in Seward, Alaska. And now he is moving and transitioning to Wasilla. And he'll begin work as our chaplain at the Goose Creek Correctional Facility. And we're grateful for him uh, the faith that God has given him, and to labor there. There's 1,400 inmates there. And we're looking forward to seeing what God will do in and through him. And we ask you that you'll pray with us. Let me tell you our schedule for this week and then for next week, if you will. Uh, we've slated off, Gal and I have slated off two weeks intentionally. This week we go tomorrow, and we'll begin on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at the Spring Creek Correctional Facility, Our prison revival, this is probably the first since way before COVID, pre-COVID, and that's around 2019, maybe 18, and so God's been so gracious to us. We have this open door, and if you will, please pray with us about that. Pray this week that God will touch us, that he'll give us to be saved. That's what we want to see, a change in the life and the difference in the men. And then secondly, if you will, pray with us. Uh, not only that, but the following Tuesday, we will have the uh, opportunity where we'll go before the superintendent, Goose Creek, with Head Chaplain Duncan, and uh, there we will uh, have a installation. Uh, it's not a contract or nothing like that. It's a work agreement between the ministry uh, on uh, uh, Brother uh, Coulter's behalf, and also between Uh, His super or the superintendent at Goose Creek. So pray that that goes well. That's why we're here. And then a day or so we have an opportunity. We would like to spend another day if we can with one of our families up here, Miss Bonnie Mosley. Brother Slater and Miss Bonnie came. And uh, I remember several years ago when they came to us, uh, they came to me and they said, we want to go. Brother Slater, he just burst out in tears. He said, I don't think they'll let me go because I'm an old man. I don't think they'll let me go. And so we went before our executive staff, told them what was in his heart, and I said, he's plowed the fields in Missouri for many long years, and he's won soul after soul after soul. Let us let it, let him go. Let him go, to, and let's see what God will do. And Slater and Miss Bonnie came. They began to work uh, right here in the... Uh, municipal I believe it is I'm I'm probably saying that wrong Anchorage municipal correctional facility I believe that is the correct and so God was giving souls there brother Slater got sick he's passed he's now in heaven and uh, Miss Bonnie she's continuing on and she's laboring with the ladies and I praise the Lord for people like that if I could say anything to you tonight Matthew says, pray you therefore for the Lord of the harvest, that he'll send forth laborers into the harvest. And that's the prayer that we need you to pray. I think about what Reverend Duncan told me last May when we were here. He said, Brother Gregory, we were leaving. He said, Brother Gregory, and I said, yes, sir. He said, give me eight, and he stopped. He said, no, give me nine more men. And we just need help. We need people. This is your state. These are your people. Flesh of your flesh, blood of your blood, bone of your bone. They need the Lord. They need the Lord, and we need help. You pray with us about that. Would you do that, please? Pray that God will give us the laborers for the great state of Alaska and that souls can be saved for his glory and his honor. Again, we're grateful to you for what you do. I've got a bad habit now. You'll have to forgive me. But I just love to eat. So don't quit supporting us, amen. Just keep on supporting us, amen. I'm joking with you when I say that. Uh, You know, I told someone today, I said, I never eat unless I'm with somebody or by myself, amen. And so it is a joy to be here. Please give my regards. Maybe one day next week we'll have the opportunity of speaking with pastor and shaking his hand. It's always a joy to be around him. He's a man of wisdom. He's not a man of many words but he's a man of wisdom. I pulled out a picture. I've got two grandboys. They're in middle Georgia. And uh, in a pond in the neighborhood, uh, a couple of our fellows in my son, son-in-law's church shot and killed a five-foot alligator. And so my boys are holding it like this right here. As they're holding it, I showed that to the pastor, and the pastor pulled out a, a crocodile that was 24, 21 foot and showed me that one, and I thought, Okay, we know who's got the best, amen, but anyway, it's a, uh, I'm joking with Satan, but I'd like to see him and shake his hand. Pray with us, would you do that please? I want you to turn with me tonight, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 4. I'll be honest with you, I started, um, I've probably been pleasantly stuck in the book of Genesis and just reading through and reading after this commentary and reading after that commentary and so forth and so on and uh, I just felt like it was time to move on and so I got into the book of exodus again it was fresh to my heart and so tonight what I want to share with you I trust will be a blessing to you when you have found Exodus chapter 4 why don't you stand with me we're going to look at verses 10 Exodus 410 through 17. We'll have a word of prayer, and then after that, you'll be at liberty to be seated. Now, I'll try not to take too long. I realize a lot of people have been here today, and the kids have played and frolicked and had a good time, but uh, I know that many of you may be tired. But if you will, give me just a little while tonight, and I trust, again, what I've got to say will be a blessing to you. Now, look with me, Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, and Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither hitherto, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech, and of slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. And you shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be even, he shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. Now let's have a word of prayer, and then after that you can be seated. Our fathers, again we come to the blessed throne. It's in the precious name of of the Lord Jesus Christ that would come. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I think about what you said. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And so, Lord, I ask you, Father, tonight, please, for just a little while, help us to settle our hearts and our minds in on this passage of Scripture. As Paul plainly said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and of power, that your faith should stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Lord, bless tonight, you know, the needs of each and every heart that's here, how they stand with you this side of eternity, with or without, Lord, if there's one with us lost, God save them. One cold and indifferent, warm their hearts encourage and edify, exhort and equip. Now i thank you and praise you for all that you so kindly do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, you may be seated. As we look at this passage of Scripture, actually, can I say to you that it actually starts in chapter 3, and it's the call of Moses. Moses is uh, beginning to give reasons as to why he cannot, and he, God is called the wrong man, And uh, God needs to call somebody else. And I think we've all been there at one time or another when God wants us to do something. Uh, If you've been saved in a length of time and you know the call of God or you know that God has chose you to do this or that. And so as we look at it in verses 1 through 9, we see his excuse concerning the sayings of Israel. Number one, Israel will not believe me. Number two, Israel will not hearken unto me. Number three, Israel will not accept uh, your appearance to me. They won't believe that you appeared unto me and spoke to me. And so God gives him three deadly things. He gives him, number one, a deadly serpent. He gives him, uh, that's in verse 2. You look in verse 6, he gives him a deadly disease. And then in verse uh, 9, that's in verse 6. And then in verse 9, he gives him a deadly vessel. Let me say it to you like that. As you look at that and you think about the serpent, he said, what is that that is in thine hand? And he said, cast it down. And when he cast it down, it becomes a serpent. It begin to hiss. And uh, he flees from it. And God says, pick it up by the tail. He picks it up. And then in verse 6, as you begin to study, he said, put thy hand in thy bosom. And when he pulls his hand out of the bosom, it's leprous, white. And he puts it back in, and then when he pulls it out again, it's like it was before, a man's hand or his hand, and so forth and so on. And then, in the latter portion, he gives him, I call it, a deadly vessel. This is where he's told to go to the River Nile and take out water, and then he takes the water out and he pours it out, and as it splatters on the ground, it becomes blood. You look in chapter 7, about verse 15, I think it is, the blood begin to uh, kill the fish that were in the Nile, Begin to stink, and so forth and so on, and that's why I call it a deadly vessel. And so uh, in that plague, uh, God, uh, they don't have water in Egypt. But I want you to notice with me, secondly, we see his excuse concerning his speech. Now, I don't know what it was. I don't know just exactly what his speech problem was. As we sometimes jokingly say down in the south, he couldn't speak explain for spluttering. You all to get that in just a second, amen? Couldn't speak explain for spluttering. And, uh, you know, when I was a child, I had a little problem with that, but with time. Uh, well, occasionally it'll come back out, and sometimes when I get nervous, it'll really come out, and so forth and so on. We don't know what it was. But my thought comes out of that passage, and on that thought right there. And what I want to talk to you tonight is just a little while on... Words that are hard to say. Words that are hard to say. Now I want you to listen to me. I want you to think about what I've got to say. The words that I want to share with you are not words that are uh, two or three syllables. They're not words that are not common and that we don't use them very often. They're not words that are hard to put upon the tongue and, and bring them out. It's words that we know. It's words that we have heard. It's words that we sometimes use and sometimes we don't. But I want to challenge you with these words and trust it will be a blessing to you tonight. And I want you to turn, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Second Corinthians, chapter 12 and verse, I believe it's verse 15. And you'll find that the first words are, I love you. I love you. Now you think about that for just a second. The phrase, I love you, is mentioned two times. It's mentioned by Paul, and it's mentioned in the book of Corinthians chapter 11. You'll find it in 11 and verse 11, and then you find it here in Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 5. And Paul says, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. And I want to talk to you, and I want to just say to you, Those are words that we know. Those are words that are not hard to roll off our tongue. They're not words that are difficult in meaning and understanding. But how often do you use them? How often often do you look down at that little fellow that's beside you? Or that little girl that's beside you? Or even to your wife and say... I love you. Now you think about that for just a second. You know, I think about several, several years ago, Dr. Tom Wallace was at our national conference preaching, and he made this statement, he said it was a statistic that a insurance company had come up with. Now I can't remember which insurance company, I can't, you know, I can't remember all of that. But he said a man that leaves home with a... Qu- with a kiss from his wife is 300 times more safe than a man that doesn't. Now, when he gets a kiss from his wife, that doesn't mean that there's a, like on the old Star Trek, there's a a beam around him or whatever around him that protects him. It's none of that, but it's that he and his wife are in harmony and not in argument and in disagreement, discord, or whatever and they walk out mad, one with another. You think about that. Three hundred times more safe. You know the only thing that I've ever learned about that's good about an argument. Have you ever figured that out? It's when you kiss and make up. Y'all get, I'm glad I heard that. Amen. It's when you kiss and you make up. I don't know about y'all, but I I still like a little sugar from my wife. Amen. I never kiss her unless she will will let me or if she won't. And when she's turned her head, I slip around and get one. Amen. But I want my wife to know that I love her. I want my wife to know that she means something to me. You know, in the lower 48, and I think it's here too, if you don't tell her, someone will. Are you listening to me, gentlemen? And what I'm saying to you is many times we get in our bustle, we get about our business, we're uh, going to and fro, and the next thing you know, we have forgot. And a day turns into a week, and a week into a month. I guess you heard the story about the old gentleman, and uh, something was said about I love you, and he said, well, I told my wife when I got married to her 40 years ago, I loved her. And if it ever changes, I told her I'd tell her. Well, I don't know if that's good or not, but I like telling my wife that I love you. I like telling everybody else around that I love her too. Amen. And I'm just saying to you, gentlemen, you're married, you have that wife beside you, she's the one that you picked out. How long has it been since you've told her that you love her? Several years ago, when my children were small and now, they're all grown. They've got kids of their own. I've got eight grandboys and one little Chinese granddaughter. And uh, I think about my blondie. I had three daughters and I had one son. I had one daughter, then my son, and then two daughters after that. My oldest daughter's a redhead. My second's a blonde, and my last is a brunette. I guess I'm the luckiest. I got all three, redhead, blonde, and a brunette, Amen. But I remember when she was just a little child, we were going down the road, and at that time, there wasn't no such thing as a car seat law, and we had an old Buick, and you could set down the armrest, and Jesse would hop up on that armrest beside me. Jesse and I were going to the store or going somewhere one night, and it was in the evening, and the stars were shining, and I looked up, and I said, Jesse, and she said, what? Had her little legs crossed and she's sitting up there beside Daddy. You know we're going down the road, and, and she uh, she says what? And I said, guess who made those stars? And she looks up and she says, Mama. And I said, no, not Mama. Jesus did. Jesus did. And so in a minute later or two or something like that, I asked her another similar question. I can't remember what it was, and she says, Papa. And I said, no, Jesus did. Jesus did. And you know, I went on down the road just a little ways where we were going, and I said, Jessie, and she says, yes, Daddy, I know you love me. I never have forgot that. Maybe that don't crank your tractor like it does mine. But little things in our life, with our children, with our loved ones, they stand out. And that one stands out in my heart. How that little old girl, little old blonde-headed, blue-eyed little thing, and uh, you know, barefooted and having fun. I'm saying something to you tonight, gentlemen. How long has it been since you've told your family, I love you? I was listening to a pastor recently. I was probably within the last six months. And as I was listening to him, he made this statement. He said, Now, I cannot tell you where he got his statistics. I can't tell you anything about it. I'm telling you what he said. He said 80% of all suicides could be prevented. How? How would you think? What would you think? And I listened, and he said, By a kind word. I'd never heard that. And it may not stagger your heart, but that night as I listened to that, that staggered my soul. 80% of all suicides could be prevented by a kind word. When you go into a store, we in our hearts have one perception of what we're projecting. But only those out there see what we project. How are you today? I'm fine. How about you? You understand what I'm saying? I woke you up, didn't I? Amen. At least you got awake. Amen. When we go, what is it that you project? How does those children? How does. Your mate. How does your parents? You know, I can remember my son, he's, oh gosh, excuse me. I'm trying to think, 43? 44? He's 44. He's got three boys, one 16, and then he's got our little Chinese granddaughter. And, um, you know, I could go for a long time. When he was already in Bible college. And I could go just like that right there. And he knew what that meant. He knew that dad wanted a kiss. I can do that to my daughters. And they know what that means. Dad wants a kiss. Dad wants to put his arm around you and tell you one more time. Our youngest daughter was calling. I think it was yesterday. And Gail was talking and she was about to hang up. And I said... Tell her I love her. And she said, I love you too, Dad. And she hangs up the phone. Can you say those words enough? Many times in churches down in the South, I love you, brother. I love you. I love you. I love you. It's used kind of Abundantly. I appreciate you. And I'm trying to say to you tonight, have you told your family how much they mean to you? My wife has every card I have ever sent her since before we were married. Every card, literally. Am I right? She has every one of them. I'd go by where she worked at and I'd write a little note, maybe on a um, can I use some North Georgia country term here? I'd write on a brown paper bag or what we would call back then a poke. And maybe write her out a note. And then I'd put the note on her windshield underneath her wiper. And I'd go about my business. And she'd come out and she'd find it. She has those little scraps of paper. And so forth and so on. Now I'm going to tell you something. I'm using country slang here, forgive me. But that don't crank my tractor. I mean, I'm glad to get a card, but what's in the card? Amen? Can I get a witness? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Amen. And here's what I'm saying to you. That doesn't do nothing for me, but I know it does something for her. And I want her to know those words. I want my little ones to know those words. I want my grandboys, my little granddaughter, I want them to know I love you. Gentlemen, I I know it's not a marriage retreat or anything like that. I know that. Do you still open the door to the car for your wife? Do you still open the door when you're going into a restaurant and she goes in? Do you still like to hold her hand? Do you still pull her up close to you and tell her what she means to you? I love you. Now only you can tell is it enough. Have you ever heard the heartbeat of your wife and she tell you it's enough, that's sufficient? I don't think she'll ever tell you that if she really loves you because she wants to hear your love for her. Let me go on. Y'all look like I need to. If you will, not only do we see I love you, but secondly, may I say to you tonight, and I'm trying to hurry, but may I say to you, forgive me. I'm sorry. You know, we're independent, premillennial millennial fundamental missionary Baptists. And if we're not careful, we're the only group I think we're one of the only groups. Let me say it like that. They'll shoot our own in the very back. Can I get a witness? You know when you think about it, turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Psalms chapter 85 and verse six. And the Bible says, for the Lord uh, for the Lord art good. For thou, excuse me, for thou Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. And as you think about that, and plenty in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. And then if you will, in Matthew, you know this passage of Scripture six, chapter six, verse fourteen and verse fifteen, the Bible says, For if you forgive not, or for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Then in verse 15, he says, but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And I'm talking about the, simply the words forgive me. You know, I love people. I love to be around people. I just love to have a good time. I love to have uh, a good time with kids. Uh, I don't know if I ought to tell this one or not. You, I don't know if I ought to tell it or not. Hey, Amen. Y'all forgive me, okay? Don't get mad at me. Don't run me out. Don't stone me, okay? I think about a little fellow that was in our church, and he's just a little old bitty fellow. And every now and then he'd come up, and he'd go like like that right there, and I'd turn around and off he'd be going. I think his name was Zechariah. I'm, I'm trying to, he had a good Bible name. There's nothing, you know, and, and so he comes up to me one night and he does that, and he's smiling at me, and I said, Put your hand up here like that and so he did I said, now go over there and tell that fella to hit it well I didn't think he would you know what I'm saying another little fella about like that one right there and when he did I, he says hit it and that fella I mean he hit it and when he did uh, you know he he comes back and I mean he gives him a hit back and I said, well my work is done here I believe it's time for me to be leaving on they are moving on amen And I, you know, I think about that, but you know, listen, if we're not careful, can I say it to you like this right here? This church is just large enough or small enough, however you want to look at it, that you can chew each other up, know everybody's business, chew each other up, spit each other out and do it all in the name of Jesus. Can I get a witness? You understand what I'm saying? You, you, come, you understand where i and I know you do. I know you understand where I'm coming from. But I'm saying, how long has it been? You know, I love people. I said that a minute ago, and I, I'll not relate. I, I've got a story. I don't, I don't want to tell it tonight. Don't tempt me. I will. Amen. But, I, you know, things that where we have come along in interpersonal relations, and if you're not careful, feelings get festered. Feelings get festered. And we hurt, and and this one over here won't talk to that one, and so forth and so on. Several years ago I was down in Macon, Georgia. I was preaching a revival, and the pastor told me he said, "Now on Wednesday, he said we're going to go out and we'll have a visitation. You and I will," and, and he said, "Then we'll get about lunch to eat." And I said, "Well, that sounds good." And so he comes by on Wednesday, and he picks me up, and we go in from house to house and different places. And he said, no, we're going to stop at this house. He said, it's not going to do any good. But he said, we're going to stop anyway. third said, well, if it's not going to do any good, why are we stopping? You know, I didn't say it, and I said, that's fine. He said, the lady got hurt in our church. And she left our church, and she joined another church. And so we stopped. We knocked on the door. I didn't know what to expect, dogs eating us alive or what. You know what I'm saying? And so she opened the door, and she had a big smile, and the lady looked at us, and she said, come in. And pastor said, well, we're just here. This is our evangelist, and we just want to invite you to church tonight, and see if you'd like to come. And so on Wednesday night, she comes. And, uh, you know, I, I preached, and I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened other than what the pastor said. But she was down this, it was only two rows of pews, and it was on this side over here, and it's about midway down, or middle ways down and maybe just a little more, one or two seats more, or one or two pews more, and uh, she, uh, uh, I give the invitation, and she comes out. And as she comes out, she stops at maybe about three or four uh, rows or pews in front of her, and she looks down at this little old lady, uh, this other lady, and the next thing I know, she grabs her up and pulls her up, and them two are off to the altar. And they slide into the altar. And over here it looks like the muddy Mississippi. And over here it looked like the muddy Ohio. I mean, they were crying and uh, mascara and rouge and all of those things you ladies uh, use. Foundation and non-foundation and any foundation and whatever foundation. Y'all you know what it is. I'm a lost ball in high weeds there. And, uh, you know, they're crying. And this one over here, she begins to wipe the tears of this one over here. And this one over here, she begins to wipe the tears of this one. And church is over. Service is finished. And people have, for the most part, with the exception of Pastor myself, one or two more, and those ladies were the last in the church. And I don't know what happened. I don't know that she came back to the church. I don't know none of that. But those two got things right. And I'm trying to say to you tonight, listen, there needs to be forgive me. I'm sorry. I've had to say those words. I've had to come up to people and say, dear brother, may I speak to you? I'm sorry. I want you to forgive me. And these are good and healthy words. They're words that can Heal and not destroy. Turn with me and look with me, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. And in Ephesians 4 and verse 32, the Bible says, And be ye kind. Well, let's start back in verse 30. The Bible says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Look in verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor And evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You know, you look over, let me quote it to you very quickly if I can, Titus chapter 3 and verse 3 and 4. Now this is the way it was before we were saved. He said, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lust and pleasure, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy has saved us, by the washing of regeneration, by the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we come back here, and in verse 31 of Ephesians chapter 4, He said, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. He comes along and he says in verse 32, get a hold of this, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Sometimes those words are hard, but sometimes we have to say those words. Let me use Pastor here for just a, a simple Uh, illustration, there's nothing wrong, he's not mad at me that I know of, and I'm telling you right now, I'm not mad at you, Now, if you hit me, I may hit you back, I'm joking, amen, but let, let me use him just as an example to say this, you come to him, my dear brother, I'm so sorry. Why don't you seal it at an altar? Listen, that bitterness, thank you, is just like acid. And it'll boil up and it'll eat your container away. But when you take it to the altar and you and Him Forgive. I started to say forget. You don't really forget, but you forgive. That does more good. That does God's work and grace that He wants out of your life and out of mine. I want to tell you something. Sometimes it's hard. You have to eat crow. I think about a young pastor in North Carolina. He's pastor in his first church, young man that I love in the Lord and admire. We were at a camp meeting down in North Carolina, or excuse me, a Jubilee, and uh, he's preaching, and he makes the statement. He said, "Since I've started pastoring, he said, I've had to do things I don't want to do, and he said, I've had to say things." That it didn't want to say. But it's been good for me. And it'll be good for you. When you lay aside. Oh, listen. Listen. Just wash your soul. Let it go. Let it go. Give it to the Lord. And let it be done right there. You need that tonight. I need that tonight. We need that tonight. Look with me if you will. And let me give you this passage of scripture. Galatians 5 and verse 15. He says, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. You let it go. Let God have a hold of that. Let God deal with that. And I promise you, you'll be better. I want to give you another one very quickly. And I want you to look with me. A familiar passage, Romans chapter 1. You know this passage of Scripture. We see man spiraling downward, not upward, not uh, escalating, but uh, uh, falling, uh, spiraling downward. And in this passage of Scripture, one, uh, Romans 1, verse 21, he says, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. In 2 Timothy, chapter 3, and verse 2, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. What are you talking about? Two little words. Thank you. Thank you. I asked my wife if she'd do something for me this morning. So, in the prophet's chamber, I'm shaving. And she runs back upstairs, gets what I need, and brings it back down. And I could say, hmm, took you that long to get it here? No, I wanted to know. Thank you. Thank you. Are you listening to me tonight? Are you receiving what I'm trying to share with you? That gratitude in your heart. That thanksgiving. Let's look back, if you will, at Ephesians 4 and verse 32. And the Bible says, Forgiving and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Well, that's not the passage I was thinking of. I'm sorry. Excuse me. But I'm trying to talk to you about, listen, simple words. Thank you. How long has it been, young people, since you've went to your mother and your father? And you said to him, Dad, thank you. Thank you for that new pair of Levi's or Wrangler's. I remember many long years ago and I told you my son's, he's 34, I think it is. 40? Oh, it's 44. I'm sorry. I'm getting this story right here. Give me just a minute. Hey, Amen. I'm not trying to tell you one. I'm trying to tell you the truth. And, and he was a uh, just a young man at high school, and he said, Dad, he said, I need some pants. He said, can we, blue jeans. He said, can, I, can we go down and get me some blue jeans? And I thought about it, and I said, sure, let's go. So I think it was Walmart or something like that. And we go in, and he's looking at these Wranglers or Levi's, I can't remember, high dollar, 30-something bucks. Well, I'm thinking about Faded Glory. It's kind of like my hair, Faded Glory, amen. And uh, you know, I said, "Come over here, son." I said, "Look, I said we can get you two pairs of these for the price of one of them." And he says, "Dad, Dad, I, I need them." He said, "No, no, I don't. I, no, no, Dad, l- let me get them." I said, "I tell you what, why don't you just buy them yourself?" You say that's pretty tough. Hey, Mom and Dad work hard. Mom and Dad love you. Mom will try to have you supper. Mom will try to have your clothes clean. Mom will try to have your uh, shirts ironed and your pants ready. How long has it been since you said, Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. I think about our son Nathan when he was in Bible college. I tell everybody he went for 20 years and he got his two-year Bible degree. Now, I'm joking, okay? But, uh, you know... I think about he'd call in and I think they were allowed one one time per semester to come home. I think that's the way it was. Anyway, uh, you know, he called in and he'd say, Mom, I'm gonna get to come home, you know, on such and such week and then he begins to put in all of his Mom, can you make can you make that good chocolate pie? Mom, can you make us some deviled eggs? Mom, would you fry that? Good southern fried chicken. I mean, it it has all the cal- calories and the cellulite and the cholesterol It's sprayed out, okay? Now, you know I'm joking, okay? But, uh, Mom, can you make us some cream potatoes? Mom, would you make one of those bun cakes and punch those holes in it and pour that chocolate in it? Oh, it's so good. Man, it's been so long since I've had any of that. The only problem with it, he'd bring about six more hounds with him. Every one of them had a hollow leg. Can I say it to you like that? And so, you know, they'd come, and they'd camp out for the weekend and have a good time, and Mom would fix them everything under the sun. And them fellas, they'd look at me, and I'd say, be sure to put a tip under the plate. Of course, we never did see a tip under the plate, okay? And I'm joking with them when I say it. I Gruff, you know, when I say it, but joking. And, uh, you know... Mom would come to the rescue. He'd start to leave, come over to mom, pull her up close. Mom, you're the best. I love you. Thank you. You'll never know how far that will get you. Guys, are you listening? You young men, are y'all listening? Can y'all take a hint? You'll never know how far that'll get you when you put your arm around Mom and you tell her how much you love her. Thank you. I love you. Dad, how long's it been since you've taken your daughter out on a date? Now let's back up. Dad, how long's it been since you've taken your wife how long's it been since you've brought some flowers home? stop down at Walmart, Or do you say, "Here, here's somebody going down and get you some flowers?" and you just express to her what she means to you. I think about one of our families. It's been many long years ago. They're no longer with us. I wouldn't call names. But we were trying to help the family. Gail and I was in my office and it was our time to try to find out where they're at, what's going on, what can we do to help them. I was really just about out of words as to what I could, questions I could give. And I said, do you have favorite candy? And she said, oh yes, yes I do. I'm thinking about one of those big boxes, what is it, Hartman's, is that right? Anybody? This is open anywhere. I can't remember what they are. What is it? Wiggly's. Whitman's. See, I told you. Y'all wasn't listening. Amen. I'm joking. Amen. And, and I'm thinking about a, a box of Whitman's or something like that, different types of chocolate, so forth and so on. And I asked the young lady, I said, uh, do you have favorite candy? And she said, oh, yes. Yes, I do. You can see her light up. I said, how long's it been since your husband's bought you your favorite candy? She said, he bought it for me last night. I said, really? I'm thinking about again a big box of... I said, what was it? What's your favorite candy? She looked back and she said, "A Zero Bar. Gentlemen, I found this to be so, or at least in my marriage. It don't take a lot... It just takes a little and let her know what she means to you. Are you with me? Let me go on very quickly and I'm through here. Thank you to your mother, to your father, to your grandparents, to your wife, to your husband, to your children, to your pastor, to the assistant. To the pastor, to the youth pastor, to your friends, to your Savior in prayer. And then, last but not least, are you born again? Can you go back to a place? to a time when God spoke to your heart and gave you a revelation that you could respond to by faith and repentance and trust the savior i was saved july the 25th of 1973 I was 21 years old god done a good work of grace Recently, one of our grandsons, his name is Levi, he's almost 16. He's been preaching for the past, I think, three years. Three, four years. Four years. I had him with me, and the pastor said, Why don't you come and preach for me? We set up the date, and he went and he preached for him. You know what happened? Just about a month ago, he got saved. He's an independent, premillennial, missionary Baptist church. What you've done for what you think is for God doesn't mean a hill of beans. What matters is that you can go back to a place, a point in time, This is where I was saved. This is where I put my trust and my faith in Christ. Marvel not that I say unto thee, You must be born again. You've known for a long time, Levi said these words. He said, You know, I've known for a long time. I knew there was something that wasn't right. He said, I knew I was lost. Went into his mother, it was after a service on Sunday night. My son-in-law, his father is a pastor, a good pastor. Went into their room crying. Said, Dad, Mom, I've got to get saved. You're already saved. No, I've never been saved. And he put his faith and his trust in Christ. It's not your good works. It's not because you pop a do-better pill. Can I say it to you like that? It's not in a New Year's resolution. It's not because you quit this, you start that, you become this, you've been baptized. It's because you trusted Christ to the saving of your soul. The night that I got saved... I was on, it's at the west side of Dalton, a little old church by the name of Mount Vernon Baptist Church. I came forward. You've just got to understand that the churches down in South, or excuse me, in North Georgia, a lot of them, the ladies will begin the service over here. The men will begin the service. They'll be over here. They'll have an old-fashioned altar prayer. Now this may bother you. I don't know, but... The men will just pray out loud all at one time. Everybody praying. And the ladies will pray over there. And that's the way it was that Wednesday night. I came forward to that old-fashioned altar, and I got a hold of a man by the name of Gene Hooker. And I shook him. I worked with him. He'd witnessed to me for about two and a half years. I said, Gene, 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 i got to get saved. There that night, I'd been born again. I was already a member of a Cumberland Presbyterian Church. I was already a member of a Southern Baptist Church. But I was lost without God. There that night, I put my faith and trust in Christ. And God saved me. How about you tonight? If we had a chair and we placed it out here and one at a time, each one of us sat in that chair, could you look back to a point and place? A lot of times in the prisons, in the jails, I've been saved four or five times. No, no, no. Tell me, the real time. Are you saved? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. I'm through. I want to preach through or finish preaching and give an invitation now and trust it'll be a blessing to you. Our fathers, we come again to the throne. It's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for this opportunity. Now, Lord, would you come and stand in our midst? Would you do the work that only you can do? Speaking to hearts. God, you know who may be here tonight without Christ? How oh, we could all be saved. I don't know. Only you know that. But God help us in this invitation. Help people to respond. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would there be one that would just be honest and say, Preacher? I'm not right with my fellow man. I've got a problem with someone in this church. Would you just be honest? Pray for me. Slip that hand up very quickly. Slip it up. Let it back down. Would there be one that would just say, Preacher, honestly, it's been a while since I've told my wife how much I love her. Pray for me. Come on. Slip it up. Anywhere, very quickly. Would there be one that would say, Preacher, pray with me. I'm not saved. Please pray for me, very quickly. Slip your right hand up and let it back down. Let me pray for you, anywhere. Our fathers, we come again to the throne. Help us now in this invitation. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for your kind mercies. In Jesus' name. Man, what's our number, please, sir? What's our number? Four forty-eight. Lord's worked on your heart. You get it right up here.